writing a poem is like riding a horse. Um, there are two beings involved in it, you and the poem. And the sooner you realize that, the better your poetry will be. The heart of any university is in its books, and the Boston College English Department is setting out to find out what books mean to its faculty and grad students in the digital age. You're on soundingsbc.com, and this is From the Bookshelf. Sometimes uh, people have stories about dressing up as a knight as, kid, as a kid, or uh, being interested in Dungeons and Dragons or medieval times. That wasn't as much me. I got into medieval studies through poetry. Eric Weiscott is an associate professor of English. Last week, he talked with Josh about medieval poetry, his favorite authors, and the problem with periodization in literature studies. Um, the summer after my senior year of high school, I picked up a book my, my parents had on their bookshelf, which is now over here on my bookshelf, and it's a second edition of F.N. Robinson's uh, edition of the works of Chaucer. And I tried, and it's in the original 14th century spelling, and I tried to read this book, and I really enjoyed how I didn't quite get it. It was, some words seemed familiar, some words seemed very unfamiliar, and I tried to struggle through it. I wasn't taking a class, I was just sort of trying to teach myself. And I really enjoyed the challenge of dealing with language that is not completely foreign, but certainly not modern English either. So I've, I've written one book, and I've, I've, it's been published, and then I've, I'm working on a second book. The first book is called English Alliterative Verse, and it was published in 2016, and excitingly, it was just published, republished in paperback, reissued in paperback. Um, it's published by Cambridge University Press, and it is an argument about the poetic tradition of alliterative verse, the poetic tradition including Beowulf and Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and Piers Plowman. Uh, and my argument is that all of those poems and hundreds of other poems in this form all belong together as one single continuous poetic tradition. A lot of my favorite books are the result of happenstance. So I've already told you about the Chaucer book. Um, another book I have here is uh, Turneresque by Elizabeth Willis. It's a book of poetry. And um, Elizabeth Willis used to teach at Wesleyan University, which is where I went to college. Uh, and I was in the Strand bookshop in New York, and I was browsing the poetry section, obviously, because I love poetry. And I, this book jumped out at me because it's very short, and the spine is orange, so it stood out. And I picked it up, and I flipped to the middle of the book, and in the middle of the book there is a poem set out as prose. It's called a prose poem. Um, and the title is Arthur in Egypt. And it begins like this. Where do you go after a season in Denver, walking through Africa in shoes of sand? I don't know exactly what that means, but when I read that, I thought I must acquire this book. This is amazing. And then I looked at the cover and realized the author was Elizabeth Willis, who taught at my college. Um, and I didn't know her yet, but I knew of her. And she ended up, I ended up taking classes with her. She ended up advising my senior thesis, which was a book of poetry. Um, and that all was chance based on browsing, um, browsing the stacks at the Strand. One of my favorite texts is uh, a very long and challenging poem from the 14th century. I have it right here. It's called Piers Plowman. Uh, it's written by 
a shadowy figure named William Langland, um, and it was written and rewritten by him at least three times. Um, we have three versions of this poem that we call A, B, and C, and they're from the late 14th century. The changes he makes from the first to the second version, he expanded the poem considerably. It was a, a, a somewhat more conventional short poem, uh, or short-ish poem, in the first version, and he expands it. And then the second to the third revision, he doesn't uh, expand the length, but he changes. He adds and deletes lots of passages and moves things around. And you can kind of give an account of how the poem grew that is intrinsic to the poem. In other words, he's just trying to make it the best poem he can make it, like anyone revising a work of literature. The poem has a radical vision for the future of English society. It thinks that English society is fundamentally broken and needs a total uh, spiritual, ethical, social makeover. Um, and uh, it's fascinating to track out Langland's responses to his own thinking and to what to current events as he revises this poem. Right, I um, imagine as a medievalist, you know, looking here at a book from 600 years ago, I suppose, yeah. you know, time is kind of a uh, pretty malleable thing when it comes to dealing with these works. Right, and I've, I've become more interested in this question in itself. I'm teaching a graduate course right now called Periodization. Periodization refers to the entire idea of splitting history up into periods. Um, and while it might seem obvious to us to do this, uh, the idea of splitting all of history up into several end-to-end uh, -end periods is a relatively new way of thinking about the past. It is useful to have a kind of box to work within. Um, I feel like the one of the big lessons I got from, from Wesley and from my liberal arts education was that disciplines are artificial. English and history and sociology and physics, these are just um, human-made ways of breaking up a continuous experience of the world and ourselves. Um, and it's okay to break them up that way. And, you know, I teach in an English department, which is a particular tranche of human experience. But the, the risk is always that you'll forget that you broke this continuous experience up into little parts in order to work on it. And a lot of my work so far in literary studies seems to be uh, making this kind of classic liberal arts argument that these boundaries are only as useful as they are. So it, they're useful, but as soon as they stop being useful, we should feel free to challenge them because we made them. They're not... Um, you know, the, the Middle Ages is not an idea that lives out there a thousand years ago. It's an idea actually from the Enlightenment. And it's okay. I'm fine with the idea as long as we recognize that we can um, move beyond it when we need to. From the Bookshelf is a production of the Boston College English Department. Special thanks to Eric Weiscott and Joe Nugent and to Josh Artman for recording the interview. My name's Peter. Thanks so much for listening.